Hey, are you going to Gen Con? Jeff Greiner, Rudy Basso, and I will be there. If you want to see us, we're going to be doing a live round table at 5 p.m. the Friday of Gen Con. That's 5 p.m. on Friday, August 5th in the Crown Plaza in Grand Central Ballroom D. We're going to be joined by fan favorite panelists Liz Tice and Sean Merwin. It's totally free, so go get your tickets now. After the panel, join us at Rock Bottom Brewery in downtown Indianapolis near the convention center at 7 p.m. for drinks, food, and games. Then, I've got a movie I wrote, directed, and produced with my partner Jay Lechko, and it's premiering at Gen Con. Nightbirds, a six-minute-long short film that's a superhero comedy, is part of the superhero film block at 7 p.m., on August 6th, the Saturday of Gen Con. That's also totally free, so check it out and support my movie, Nightbirds. That's night with a K. Can't wait to meet you all in Indianapolis. Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. It takes 30 seconds and it is a huge, huge help to us. I read one five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Here are the words of a five-star review from Edward Skullpipe. Hey, guys. Thanks for making this killer podcast. I've been playing RPGs since I got the red box in the very early 80s. I haven't DM'd in many, many years until the last few months. I love the 5e system and the insight and advice you offer for all D&D gamers, especially DMs, is not only very useful, but accurate. A rare find among some of the other DM podcasts. Keep up the great work. I wish I was coming to Gen Con to play a game with you guys. Edward Skullpipe, thank you for that review. You know what? We're going to try to make our way to some other cons next year, so maybe we can meet up at one of those. That would be awesome. Thank you for the five-star review. People out there, we need more five-star reviews, so head on over to iTunes and give us one. It only takes a minute. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about Tyrants of the Underdark, a deck-building D&D game, and then we're doing one of my favorite things to do during a slow news week, speculate on upcoming storylines and settings. Let's meet our panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What creature not in the Monster Manual do you want to see brought into 5th edition? Michael Ambyth, let's start with you. I pined over this quite a while, um, and I have to say that I need Draconians from the Dragonlance setting. Um, I love their backstory. I love kind of corrupted dragon eggs that hatch and are more humanoid. Um, And I just love how different each one of them is with death throws they they present different challenges you know there's a couple that when they kill something they can turn in they can shape change into that person so there's a lot of cool story arcs where you know someone could be in a you know some 
high-standing member could be assassinated and replaced by this draconian, and people are trying to figure out why they, you know, changed political views or changed stances on something. And uh, so just, there's just a lot of flavor there, and I would love to see them introduced. I'm always looking for monsters that are more than just, you know, a bag of hit points that can take a couple swings and, you know, s- slow down a fight. I want more storyline to it. I want more fun when I'm DMing, and those are definitely what I would look Oh, wow. And I am not super familiar with Dragonlance, so I didn't realize that Draconians can do crazy things like that. Uh, yeah, there are some, I mean, there are definitely more obscure Draconians that do some more obscure, strange things. <laughs> but, um, but you know, the, the standard, I would say, four that you see a lot in, you know, a lot of the earlier Dragonlance novels um, have some really cool powers. They explode. One of them turns to stone. So if you, you have to, in old versions and i could see in fifth ed you know you would have to make a, a deck save or you could lose your weapon in it for 24 hours and after 24 hours it crumbles to dust you know like just kind of cool things like that that could change a battle and 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 make a battle more interesting even after you've killed something you know, some of them explode some of them melt into pools and make you know make difficult terrain wow. i just there i think there would be cool ways to set it up that could affect combat even after they're dead. Draconians, bring them forth, wizard, bring them forth. Uh, and perhaps that'll pertain to later on in our conversation when we talk about what settings and storylines we want to see coming up. Alex Basso is also with us. Alex, what monster do you want to see brought into 5th edition? i to be honest, there's not really any monster I'm really, really pining for that's uh, not currently in the manual. Uh, mm-hmm. So after some, doing some deep thinking, <laughs> uh, I just I finally went off the decision of saying a wolfware. Nice. So I don't have too much experience with these. I know there's a there's a dungeon in Baldur's Gate too. There's a couple of them in the Baldur's Gate series. I remember fighting. I just love the simplicity of what if we turn around the name of this creature, and make it so a normal wolf turns into a human instead of a human turning into a wolf man, and then boom, wolfware is created. And also, it asks the hard questions, like, who's truly affected here? What's worse, a werewolf or a wolfware? Um, yeah, it's just a poor wolf being a human. It's it's really terrible. And, and I, maybe I'll just throw in more, more lycanthropes in general. There's so many more animals that people can turn into. Mm-hmm. You know, we could fill a whole book just with were monsters. Yeah, where's so. our were shark, right? Yeah. Oh man, I love love to get eaten by one of those in a game. Or better yet, where's our shark wear? Am I right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. So you have a, a book of wear sharks or wear animals and animal and the reverse features. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would be down for that. The, the one of the other funky things, just to make them complete opposites, uh, wolf wears. And I am reading this from Wikipedia right now because I looked it up while you were talking. Uh, they turn they transform from wolf into human on a day when the moon is not present uh, i know it blows your mind right <laughs> no night is safe no it's crescent moons only are are the nights that you can go out on the town uh so i think that's hilarious that's awesome and rudy basso is also with us rudy what monster do you want to see brought into fifth edition uh, I don't know if this is a monster per se, but I was always a big fan of the half dwarf, the mm. I guess mole or yeah, mule? the mole, yeah, the mole, yeah. I just um, in a world with half elves, the half dwarf really gets thrown to the side a lot of times, and that that hurts my heart. 
So uh, I always like, I think it's interesting, you know, I'm not big on dwarves um, playing them, but I would play a half dwarf. And if uh, it's, I guess, not really a monster, but that's, that's something that I always want to see in every edition. So nice, nice. Yeah, a half dwarf. I do think it would be cool to see some more um, mixed race combos. But you know, like half some... shard mind. That's <laughs> something that would be really weird. <laughs> the old oh, half shard mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or the, or you know, like a, like a half gnome, half halfling in Green Ronin's uh, fantasy age setting. They have rules for making quick half races. Like you get half from this and half from this, and you smash it together, and now you're a half orc, half elf. You know, I was gonna or, say it sounds like we got a DM's Guild product in our hands. <laughs> do we weird do. half races? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah definitely definitely so no one steal it you heard it here first uh so it's a wholly original idea no one else has ever thought of um so uh but yeah i i think uh i think half races i'm i'm on board i'd love to see the mole uh so why don't we jump right into it we're going to talk about tyrants of the underdark first it premiered at origins um it's a two to four player deck building card game uh, so it sounds like you're these drow houses competing for resources in the Underdark, and you're trying to take out your other players. Um, I, none of us have gotten a chance to play this yet, we should mention, uh, but we are going to talk about it a little bit because a lot of cool people, Peter Lee, Rodney Thompson, Andrew Veen, uh, made this. It was produced by Gale Force 9, um, Wizards of the Coast obviously made the rules and everything. So it's cool. I'm, I'm really, really excited to uh, to check this out. It retails for... 75 bucks. What do you think? Are you going to check it out? Uh, Rudy, let's start with you. You play more board games than anyone I know. I do play a lot of board games, and I'm actually a really big Gale Force 9 fan. In fact, last year at Gen Con, I bought their WWE board game. Uh, I was just going to buy it. Like, okay, yes, I want this. And one of their employees said, well, wait, let's, let's play test it. You should try the game out before you buy it. And I thought that was, like, awesome. Like, I was a sale. And he wanted me to try the game out before I bought it. Uh, and we did, and I loved it, and I bought it. But I got to say, deck builders, not my favorite genre. Um, I'm really happy that Dungeons & Dragons is kind of playing with the different kind of board games out there. I'm a big Lords of Waterdeep fan, which is not like their adventure board games. And I like that they're trying something new. But that's just me. I don't really like dominion i'm not a big fan i have another game called thunderstone which is actually fantasy themed deck builder kind of like dungeons and dragons sure. so and the other thing is this is 75 I, I don't know if this is there's some minis and stuff but i don't know quite where that cost is going towards like for 75 dollars, i'm expecting a small army of miniatures and these just look like you know tokens that you use just based yeah. on the pictures i've seen so for 75 bucks i can get like dominion in three or four expansion backs uh so the price is also kind of turning me off yeah it does seem a little steep and sort of the the close-up looks of the of the products it looks like it's the same miniature kind of in different colors uh although the the distance from from a distance it looks like there's some others uh going on there but yeah 75 does seem uh, a little steep uh for for what this is um but uh but i think if you're real into deck builders and D D, which there's probably a pretty good overlap there uh it's probably worth checking out what about you alex are you a big deck builder guy are you going to check out this uh, game yeah actually i am a big deck builder so one of the benefits of having Rudy as my brother is he has bought many, many board games, and 
as you just mentioned, he doesn't really like deck builder games, so he kind of just forgets about them, and then they fall to me, and I play them a bunch. Uh, Thunderstone is probably one of my favorite board games. Uh, I play it a lot with some of my friends, and Dominion, I, I have some experience with. I enjoy it. I really like the deck building style of games. I like being able to just go for a new strategy every game and kind of try and create my own clean, cool deck that's going to be really useful. Uh, so I actually, like, Tyrants of the Underdark looks awesome to me. Everything about it, just like, okay, this is cool. Uh, I believe it's also made by the, the people who design Lords of Waterdeep, if I'm not... Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, Rodney Thompson is one of the okay. main designers of uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep, I loved. Um, I also lo- I really like that this game... In a, it's kind of like a, a companion board game to Lords of Waterdeep. Instead of playing uh, nobles in a city, you're playing uh, you know leaders of the Underdark, and you just see how evil drow counterparts to Waterdeep nobles are. Instead of uh, hiring adventurers to go on quests, they're killing each other and leading armies. So that, that's pretty fun. Um, but as you guys said, the $75 price point is really high for a board game. I'm full of fifty to sixty dollars, and it's not like it's. I, I probably can see myself picking this up, but seventy five dollars makes it so. I want to at least see some reactions and reviews first before I buy it. Like typically, if this was a little cheaper, this game, you know, checks all of my interests and it's probably an auto buy. <laughs> but uh, let's. I'm gonna hold off a bit just to see the general reaction to it. If there were wolfwares in it, would you, without oh, question, man. hand it over? Uh, yeah, I mean, how does a wolfware work, though, in the Underdark? You don't even see the moon. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they do, there are, like, were-rats and stuff in the Underdark. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess it must just be, like, an, an internal lunar clock, you know? Wolf, wolfwares of the Underdark. Is seeing the moon necessary to swap, or it just happens, is what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must just, just kind of the happen. timing. Right? They may not know why. Like wow! Every however many days, I don't know the lunar calendar. I just turn into a human. But it, here's a question, right? Like, is it then? Uh, I mean, we're really getting into our our lycanthrope science here. But like, what if you're in another time zone, right? So it must have something to do with mm-hmm. moonlight, or you know, I don't know, I don't know. That's a good point, or lack of moonlight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're a if you're a wolf, where you're just always in human form. So these are all important questions that were probably answered in an older edition. That's right. Yeah, but not fifth edition. So bringing it back. It would be an, a very interesting character if you were a human in the Underdark and you went to adventure out and you like just turned into a rat. And you were like, what the, what? And that was it. Like That was your whole adventure. <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> or you could be like a familiar of the wizard. And then randomly, like every new moon, you like turn into a human. <laughs> Feels very, uh, very old school in that film, <laughs> uh, and mostly written for the DM's entertainment. And I do, I like deck builders a lot too, so I'm, I am really excited to to check this out. Uh, and you know, I think it could be worth that seventy five dollar price tag if you're going to play it a bunch. Yeah, definitely could be. Yeah, uh, Michael, what do you think? Uh, are you going to check out Tyrants of the Underdark? So I, I have to say, one of my biggest points in this game that really turns me on to it is the fact that you can play it with two, three, or four players. I find a lot of times you buy a game or you buy something and either it's limited to two people um, and you're stuck if you have more people sitting around or, you know, for me, 
generally me and my husband are the people playing the games and they don't work with two people or you have to come up with some crazy rules or so I like that concept with this. Um, I have to admit, I have not played many deck builder games, but hearing all of you talk makes me wish that I had. Um, it's hard to fully picture what this game will be like, but I love the fact that they're taking the D&D world or worlds and turning them into other products that, that can turn people on to the game, turn people on to the genre. Um, and this definitely piques my interest with three children. Um, $75 is steep. They enjoy eating. And uh, so, you know, I have to watch uh, where I'm spending it. But, uh, you know, um, I could definitely, you know, I could definitely see us investing in that if, um, you know, my husband is a huge deck builder player mm -hmm. um, and has done a lot of things. So, again, I, I could see us getting a lot of use out of it. But I agree. I would want to hear a little more about it and per perhaps see it in action watch a video or, or see it at a gaming store just to understand it a little more to see if it's something that that works and that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think, you know, I think that's why they're going to, they demoed it at Origins. So hopefully we'll be seeing some reports and some reviews and stuff about uh, what it was like and, and how it was. And hopefully, you know, maybe uh, we'll even have some of those people on the round table later. Uh, I know Ginny Loveday, who was on a couple weeks ago, uh, was uh, in charge of demoing it. Uh, at origin so maybe we can get her opinion and everything and, and see how the game was um so but i am really uh really excited to to check it out and to play it uh so uh maybe we can even check it out at gen con when we're there rudy um so uh so we'll see uh maybe because gale force nine like you said is pretty good about letting people demo stuff why don't we go ahead and move on to our second more expansive topic we're gonna do a little setting and storyline speculation uh we like to do that every now and then here on the round table uh you know i think whenever a new D, &D storyline or a new adventure is announced people get really hyped up uh and we've often talked about like what do you think the next setting will be what do you think the next storyline will be obviously we know storm king's thunder is coming out that's going to be all about giants in faerun you know the forgotten realms are getting taken over by huge giants who are all kind of at war with each other um to get their new positions in the giant hierarchy. Uh, but so, you know, I don't know what's coming next. Um, it could be another Forgotten Realms adventure. Uh, they could do another, you know, dip into a setting like they did with Curse of Strahd. Uh, it'll be really cool to, to kind of see. So we have no information. Uh, this is all based purely on like kind of what we wish we want to see and, and why we think that would be really cool and what some of our favorite settings are. And the sky is the limit for this conversation. Uh, we can talk about old settings. We can talk about bringing back old storylines. We can talk about new stuff that we would like to see. Uh, you know, I'd like to see a shadow ninja setting. Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I want to see a, a futuristic setting where everybody is a wolfware. Um, so uh, so we can talk about whatever. Uh, this is, you know, kind of just our, our hopes and dreams. Uh, Michael Ambyth, why don't we start with you? Uh, what would you like to see after Storm King's Thunder? All right. So I, I, uh, I, I am a huge Dragonlance fan, if you couldn't tell by my first uh, response with the Draconians. <laughs> Um, but there, there are caveats. Mm -hmm. um, I've always found issues with Dragonlance when they converted it in three five. Dragonlance as a story is is told. 
Um, it, you know, if you've read any of those stories, the world is not massive, or at least I feel as massive as other campaign settings. And so there's not a lot of left unturned. Um, and what I don't want is it set in what would be kind of the hero of the lance, the same group story. I don't want to play any of the people that I've read about. You know, um, they, at the very end of 3-5, um, they wrote a new trilogy of books based in a new continent on Dragonlance that had the flavor. It had a lot of kind of the different storylines, the different political groups, but the whole continent was new. They had just discovered it. And I, I would love to see something like that. I would love to see them kind of take the interesting flavor from Dragonlance but not in a setting or in a place or in a time that is so overdone that people just feel like they're rehashing the books again and again. Um, you know, I, I, I love the concept. I'm running my own homebrewed world right now in 5e, um, and I've stolen a lot of kind of the concepts from Dragonlance to place in my thing. Um, I love the idea of, a, of a, an academy of high sorcery that, controls arcane magic because it's so powerful and that there are you know there are things that that pcs need to do to check in with them to you know they're a good quest hook a lot of times if you have a player that is an arcane caster where they have to do certain things for the academy to stay in good standing with them uh, you know i love the way the elves are laid out in that world um i i, I honestly i just love everything about that world. I love the way it's laid out. I love that there are gods of magic that affect how you cast the moon, not to, not to go back to the where, um, <laughs> where animal or the moon, but the, the moon affects spell casting. Um, and I would just love to see kind of more mechanics like that to take what's already in 5e, you know, and, and kick it up a notch, give the world a flavor that that affects different, you know, different um, players, different casters. You know, it, it, there could be a lot of, you know, archetypes for the mm -hmm. fighter or for the paladin that go, you know, there are a lot of knight orders in Dragonlance. And so these, those archetypes could be um, fighter archetypes or paladin archetypes, you know, going through that. I, I just would love to, to, to see that given new life. Again, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be very clear. I don't want to see what they've put out in the past, which is just, hey, here's the books <laughs> and here's here's the books in D&D stat form. Because then what people do is they just make those characters and then no one wants to play it because no one wants – everyone doesn't want to play in that realm. But right. I want to see them turn around and come out – You know, Dragonlance put out the Draconians. I already spoke about them, but they put out um, – a a different race called the Urda, which was like the first sentient race that was ever created, and they were actually ogres, like a very sophisticated ogre, and then they were corrupted, and that's where what what we think of as ogres come from. And so there are half ogres because the Urda bred with the other sentient races. I I, I just want to see that flavor put into a new context and given new life. Yeah. I think it's something that could definitely be done. It's honestly not a setting that a lot of people know a heck of a lot about right now because it has it died with 3.5. They stopped publishing novels back then. 
And I just, I think that if it was breathed new life, it could really um, present a lot of new concepts and a lot of awesome adventures. And mm -hmm. I would really just love to see it brought back. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it suffers from the Middle Earth problem a little bit, right? In the sense yeah. that like, it, it has this very sort of epic story that goes along with the world that so many people who love the novels know. And it's you don't want to play a story, you want to create your own story within exactly. that world. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I don't I don't want to run into the the silly characters you know i right. i want to be that silly character i want to be you know i want my dm to have the ability or me as the dm have the ability to create that you know leap us 200 300 400 years in the future you know again play us on another continent and we have no idea what the heck happened in these other con you know yeah. just some anything like that 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 gives and if and for the diehard fans who want to have the novel characters show up, they can. They can, you know, they can have a connection. They can find a, oh, sure. a, yeah. a portal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to shut that down, but they've always gone that route being the central theme of the setting. And the setting isn't successful because you're right. You know, people want to make the Gandalf or they want to make the Frodo of the Dragonlance world. Mm -hmm. And then other people don't. And so they don't ever go on to it you know and it just there's so much flavor there's so much there to explore that is so different from you know i love eberron if i could list two eberron would be my second sure you yeah. know but but you know i i i just i want something new i want something that that people haven't seen and as a Dragonlance fan you know i've read a lot of the novels i would love to to see that get new life infused into it um and see it develop Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I would love if they did Dragonlance that way. I think that's kind of the perfect way to get new people on board who maybe aren't familiar with the novels. Um, you know, because there is a lot of rich history there that is very different from Forgotten Realms and is still high fantasy, you know, still fits the D&D mold so well. Uh, yep. It would be really cool to, to see that. Uh, Alex Basso, how about you? What uh, what do you want to see setting, storyline-wise? What would you like to see after Storm King's Thunder? Uh, I would love to see a book that dips into the Dark Sun world. Mm, uh, nice, nice. I just really like how Dark Sun, you know, it, it's not this high fantasy. It's this crazy post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic world that's uh, i feel like it feels so different than your typical fantasy that it uh it really is a nice breath of fresh air uh and when you've been playing normal fantasy games for you know as long as people have you know after a couple years of fifth edition you know we've had our forgotten realms uh let's let's bring in some weird dark sun-esque stuff with yeah, yeah, cannibal uh, and it'll give it'll give rudy his moles uh the other thing i would really love is a new setting uh i'm a big fan of technology mm -hmm. uh, type you know introduction i'd love to see like a, a fantasy world in the middle of like the industrial revolution like technology squaring off first magic that's <laughs> that's a theme i really really enjoy um but are, so yeah, Eb eberron there's some eberron no but i mean that's like magical technology i just want straight you know guns that no 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 magical person invented them. Maybe like the magic people hate technology, and maybe it's a war between both of them. Oh, that's I, a cool I don't idea. know. 
it doesn't have to be like steampunk either. I feel like there's so much steampunk stuff. But you know, this is a very specific vision I have. Maybe I should be writing it instead of hoping uh, it's made for the next D and D setting. Well, uh, I think it's really cool, and I think you know you could do something that has more of a real world technology progression. And so instead of yeah. steampunk, right? Like there's steamboats and there's trains, but there's not necessarily huge gears moving people, you know, from building to building or something like that. Or airships. There doesn't have to be airships. Yeah, although airships are great, Alex. Yeah, airships are great, but, you know, <laughs> oh, sure. you know, we don't even have, we barely have them now. You know, we, we have airplanes, but all the steampunk technology, they always have airships. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool to kind of see that, like, you know, oh, we're we're making muskets and we're, you know, doing this and the the arcane knowledge is sort of, it's so expensive, right, magic, and it's so rare and it's so it's so hard to get. So, yeah, it would be kind of cool to, to see that uh, dichotomy, um, you know, and, and nations at war, some with magic, some with tech. It would be really, really cool. I would but but at the same time, I, I would take, honestly, like, I just think a, a new setting would be really interesting at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I'm really, I really would love to see what the reaction is to it. Yeah. Uh, don't know if it would be positive because <laughs> I feel like there's still so much missing that maybe it's not a good idea. But eh, I'm always, I'm always down for a new setting. And Alex, that's a good point. You know, I, I think I feel that three five thrived when when they did that contest and Eberron came out. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything with Fourth Ed. Fourth Ed, you know, people are fifty-fifty. It's either a love-hate thing, and that's not this conversation, you know. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I think that it could do wonders for Fifth Ed. Yeah, I mean, as someone who wasn't around, you know, playing D anD D during three point five, like in Eberron, I guess I did. I don't have a real first-hand experience of what that was like. Uh, so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it makes me ignorant. And I mean, was Eberron like really well well received at the time? Oh yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They they made it was funny cuz they made that campaign guide and then immediately after it was like, "Well, now we're doing a book about the five nations, we're doing a book just about Sharn, we're doing race books and we're doing so like Eberron really did become very popular and there's a lot of material for it. And there's a lot of material for a lot of other worlds which makes it kind of, you know, you you can adapt fifth so far right in into those things you can you can really do a lot if you feel comfortable homebrewing some races and and that kind of thing um and which is another reason it would be cool for fifth to have its own kind of iconic this is the fifth edition you know setting that that was created in fifth and it's new and and interesting so yeah i would i would love that and speaking of weird uh and new rudy basso before we started to record this podcast, you told me that your idea was really weird and out there, and I really can't wait to hear about it. So uh, what would you like to see after Storm King's Thunder? All right. So for the upcoming video game podcast, we played a game called Birthright the Gorgon's Alliance. And the game is interesting. You know, Be sure to listen to that if you want to learn more about it. But after playing that, I did some research on the Birthright campaign setting, and I was blown away because it's so unlike any other setting because it has a huge emphasis on being the leader of a province or a nation. Like, there's specific mechanics about um, recruiting armies, about large tactical combat against other armies. It's just so different. Like, I wish 
James, I wish we could just play that game right now. We could just roll up a Birthright game right now. It's so out there. So I would love to see them do something. You know, they don't have to use Birthright, mm-hmm. but some sort of like, and, and it's great for high level uh, Dungeons and Dragons too, where you're always kind of like, well, we've, you know, we've fought a lot of different things. Now we're just going to fight stronger things. I think if they implemented some sort of system where you're ruling, uh, that would be a great 15 to 20 or even 18 to 20 kind of, uh, it, it'll give the players something different to do. Like you've achieved this, you have hit a certain level. Now this new part of Dungeons and Dragons opens up because of that. Um, yeah, I was just really, really surprised uh, about this setting. It has no support whatsoever from uh, from Wizards of the Coast. Whenever they do their surveys about new settings, Birthright usually isn't even in the conversation, which is a shame because it's just so interesting to me. So uh, it's a huge stretch, but I would love for them to, at least I would love for that conversation to start. So if you're a Birthright fan out there, let's get a hashtag going. called bring back birthright get that alliteration hashtag bring back birthright only a hashtag (laughs) (laughs) i uh i want to say rudy actually that there is a pathfinder adventure path i think it's called kingmaker uh you can tell i don't play a, a lot of pathfinder but uh that that has rules like that in it like has rules for managing your your kingdom and you know if you if you get enough resources while you're out adventuring like you're st- you still go out and adventure too right um but while yes, you're out yeah. there your town can do things like generate magic items for you and and you know money and stuff like that um but you know and then it's not just like sim city style management there's also a story that goes along with that kingdom and managing that kingdom and and that kind of thing um you know and you're not just going out to uh, kill things and take their stuff or or you know save the world there's you're doing more and and you get invested in your kingdom your your birthright and you have these large-scale battles and that kind of thing so uh yeah i think that would be really cool and it would you know we did see a little bit right the battle system rules come out yes um, yeah so i if they could i wasn't a big fan of them when we no, played it no if they could streamline that a little bit and expand on it i i think that'd be i think that'd be great so maybe that does i mean when was it that was that was a year ago more than that yeah, it was, yeah, it was more than a year ago. Yeah. so i i'm gonna assume that's been kind of shelved for the time mm-hmm. but I hope they do return to something like that and and really build up it. Yeah, and it you know the first unearthed arcana article we saw was Eberron, and uh, and you know that's that's my pick. That's what I would love to see next. But who knows when it's coming? And there is a lot of Eberron material out there already. I could you know start converting stuff if I wanted to, um, you know, and 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 play an Eberron game. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Birthright that would be really cool. Uh, I don't think that's too out there, man. I think that people would definitely go for that. Um, uh, I think I think people would be like, "Wait, what is this? You chose this over Spelljammer?" Like, I think even, ah, yeah. Hashtag bring back birthright. Come on, we got to band together, everyone. The way Wizards has been releasing these things is, you know, they they haven't really released 
world books or campaign guides. Um, you know, they've, they've more released adventures that give you the information you need to run the adventure. Uh, the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide kind of has some, you, you know, it has a lot of world information in it, but it's not totally complete either um, for the Forgotten Realms. But it is, it's still cool to have stuff like that. If you were, you know, what is it really about a good adventure? Like what, what in a pre-published adventure would make you stand up and say, you know, that's, I have to have that. Like, that's a story that I want. Or is it having lots of good, you know, crunchy bits for, for players within there? Like a Storm King's Thunder is supposed to have new rune magic rules that the PCs have access to. And it sort of helps them take on giants mano e mano. Um, you know, is it, is it that kind of thing? Is it, you know, just something totally new and different? Is it a rehash of an old story? You know, people seem to have gone crazy for Curse of Strahd, um, which is basically, a, you know, a, a redo of that old I-6 module. Um, and it's really well written. I love it. And so I have, you know, I have no complaints about that. Um, so I, I'm just wondering, what do you guys think uh, would make you personally stand up and take notice and really want to buy a new adventure and michael ambleth let's start with you that is a very good question um you know i i think for me it's just something different um you know i think uh, you know i mean james you've seen my house you've seen what we owned during the fourth ed days you know we are <laughs> um, as much as i said 75 dollars was too much and my children need to eat that doesn't seem to stop us from buying anything that ever gets published um in the D D realm um, and our shelves are busting. Trust me, we just moved and I moved all of those books. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think to me, the things that get pulled, the things that come down are when I'm DMing is when there's a new idea, when, when I can say, you know, I want, to, you know, I, I don't want to have a dungeon crawl. We did that. I don't want to just have an intrigue. You know, I want something different. Um, you know, I, I pulled out the layer rules. Finally, my my party got high enough and I didn't feel like I was going to kill them with a layer. And I pulled out layer rules, I, I, things like that. Um, I today just got the curse of Strahd for father's day. Thank you children. Um, uh -huh. And uh, you know, so I, I'm intrigued to read through that and kind of see the new pieces of that. But that, that to me is, is key. You know, I don't want an adventure that I read and I say to myself, oh, I could have written that probably not as good, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I could have written that. Um, you know, I want to see something and go, I would never have gone that way. I would have never have thought about that. I would have never had have brought in that mechanic or thought about that twist or that hook. You know, I, that that's my big thing is when I read something and go, you know, oh, sweet. I want to do that. Um, you know, I saw I took my kids to see the third um, and maybe it's the third Kung Fu Panda that that came oh, out right, right. months ago. and I. As dumb as it sounds, I was so inspired by that movie that I had to take out my phone and I was taking notes. The story was so different that I loved it so much that I adapted it to the campaign that I'm running. I just loved that story. And I that's what I look for when I pull down an adventure is I want something new that I couldn't have come up with had I spent enough time doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When when an adventure can blow my mind, um, you know, that's that's really a, a great thing. And I think that's one of the things I really like about Curse of Strahd because it is the story. Like the story is the same Ravenloft story you've been playing for years. But there are so many 
details within it that are, wow, that's really cool. That's a great addition. I can't believe they did that. You know, um, there's a there's a windmill in there that is going to uh, blow your mind. Uh, what's All right. Within that I'm excited. So, um, yeah. So and that's the thing is it's a great book that you can just pull a bunch of horror themed encounters from. Um, but it's not just your typical horror adventure. There's there's these little twists in there that really make things interesting. Uh, so, so yeah, you should definitely check that out. I, I think you will like it. And that's great. That's a whole new reason to have kids. You don't realize they buy you D&D merchandise. So uh, that's great. My kids do. So definitely. <laughs> if you have kids, uh, go, go my way. And, no. <laughs> uh, get your 10-year-old into playing D&D with you because then he thinks it's awesome. So he, when you say, what do you want to get daddy for Father's Day? He says, D&D things because then we can play together. So, nice. Let me tell you, that's the key. Warms the cockles, warms the cockles too. So that is, that is awesome. Uh, Rudy Basso, what about you? What makes you attracted to uh, a new adventure storyline? I want brand new mechanics. I'm a sucker for gimmicks. I love the Taroka deck. This new mm-hmm. rune treasure stuff sounds really interesting. I mean, this goes with my, my last answer of like, I want to be able to have rules for, you know, running a kingdom or mass army. I just want something, you know, and I love D&D as written. I, I think 5th edition is brilliant, but I'm always looking for something new, something something weird, something different. And uh, that's what I want. You know, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide was kind of, I don't know, a dud, but uh, it didn't really do anything particularly different or new for me. So I wasn't so wild on that. Whereas I, I love Strahd. I love the deck. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing I'm looking for is just something new mechanics wise nice nice yeah and that makes total total sense and it really you know i feel like people feel like they get more of their money's worth because you can use those mechanics outside of that storyline too right yeah Um, you know modularity was a thing they talked about a lot when they were pre-release um and so if they released a book that's just like here's a bunch of different things you can do in your game that would be really really neat yeah yeah that would be that would cool. be way cooler than any adventure in my opinion a unearthed arcana uh, uh yeah i mean a lot of times that's like races and stuff but sure sure but something something with like yeah plug this in if you want to play this kind of game not things yeah, meant to yeah, be, yeah. you know stacked or whatever uh alex basso what about you uh what do you like to see in a new storyline yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Rudy here. I mean, the thing with, as someone who never plans on DMing ever, uh, whenever <laughs> like a storyline book comes out, if I buy it and read an adventure, you know, any part of the adventure, I feel like I'm potentially spoiling myself sure, for yeah, any. So, yeah. you know, even if you just rip out some cool parts from an adventure book, it's like, I don't want to, I hate if I'm in a game and something comes up and I'm just thinking about oh yeah this is gonna have a, I, i'm very bad at gaming things so i try to avoid uh cheating when possible oh, yeah. uh, so like rudy said the things that i really love are expanded mechanics and you know when i was thinking about dark sun i, I didn't mention it because i forgot but you know like with dark sun would be a perfect place to expand on like exhaustion mechanics and bring in like survival uh new survival uh rules and stuff like that and birthright would be another place to expand on you know large army fighting so I feel like that's main draw for these books for me. Like I'm really excited for to see what the rune magic system is in Storm King's Thunder. 
those are always the top draws for me. I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I'm, you know, especially as someone who plans on never running a and d game, that would really be what would make you stand up and buy an adventure, then, right? It's on my bucket list to not run one. <laughs> what a That's how those work, list. right? <laughs> That's a wolfware bucket list. <laughs> yeah, it's the reverse. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, I think that is going to do it this week for the roundtable. Uh, and we, of course, before we go, are going to tell people where they can find you on the internet. Rudy Basso, where can people find you? Oh boy, um, I'm on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. I have a podcast on this very Tome Show Network. It is called D&D-V-N-G. Like I said, uh, the new episode of Birthright, the Gorgon's Alliance, should be coming out within the month-ish. And then I have another podcast, not on this network, called Have Spellbook Will Travel. It is a fully produced radio play based on Dungeons and Dragons games that James and I have played. James wrote it with me. James produced it with me. So you Ooh. should check that out. Website have Spellbook. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on all your pod catcher apps. Google Play is another one. So mm-hmm. please, hey, check that out. Uh, tell us what you think. Yes, please check that out. And, you know, uh, if you love it, share it with your friends. Tweet about it. Uh, it, it, it is a huge, huge help for us. We'd really like to grow this thing and uh, make more episodes for you. Um, so, so yeah, go check out Have Spellbook World Travel. It is the most fun I've ever had making a podcast. Uh, and Alex Basso, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter uh, <sighs> at yo underscore Alex Basso. Currently tweeting right now because I'm so popular on Twitter. Oh, what are you tweeting? Uh, I am questioning why Bring Back Birthright was never a popular hashtag in the past. <laughs> Excellent. Because, what, what a shocker. Well, just sent it out. Uh, you can also find me on the podcast Rudy just mentioned. Always love it when he goes before me in this section. <laughs> <laughs> he just has a, a way of usually being snappier about uh, <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> He sure is. He's not actively remembering it as uh, he's answering the question. Uh, and uh, Michael Amboyth, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Pendinor, P-E-N-D-I-N-O-R-E. And uh, that's where you guys can find us. And Rudy, uh, I need to let you know that I am a huge fan of Have Spellbook Will Travel. Oh. I absolutely love it. Um, so it is awesome to be talking to you and i'm glad that i get to tell you in person how much i love it because i really really do love it thank you very much you're welcome guys this is amazing uh so check out have spellbook will travel uh after you finish up this episode of the roundtable i will thank you all for coming on the roundtable with me today and before we go, each week we highlight a new product in our DMs Guild pick of the episode. This week's highlighted DMs Guild product comes from MT Black. It's called Forgotten Realms 5000. It's the Forgotten Realms in the year 5000. A global apocalypse has left the world unrecognizable. Magic is all but forgotten, and science reigns supreme. The Terillion Federation searches over a thousand planets, united by their resistance to the all-consuming Ilfid Collective. The homeworld itself is half-megalopolis, half-radioactive wasteland. 
Prepare for adventure beyond anything you have seen before in the Forgotten Realms. It is a free PDF from M.T. Black. There's a direct link to Forgotten Realms 5000 science fiction campaign setting over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. I'd like to thank my panelists, Rudy Basso, Alex Basso, and Michael Ambyth. All right, everyone, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games there. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the Roundtable.